Kim and I didn't necessarily talk about uh, the sermon this morning and what the topic of the sermon will be, but I feel like it, it, it really uh, flows with uh, the topic of the message this morning as we, as we sang about, um, as I looked at it, uh, suffering and, and, and how we view God in suffering and, and how we uh, rejoice in God in the midst of our suffering and keep our eyes focused on Him. Uh, A couple weeks ago at our business meeting, I said that uh, 2019 felt kind of like an Ecclesiastes kind of year. It was a year where we did uh, rejoicing, but it it felt like there was also a lot of of, of mourning happening and and hard things happening, and, and, and that was before... Um, the death of Larry Mast and the death of Harvey Geiser. This morning, we're going to take a little bit of a detour. Um, we're not going to be looking at Romans chapter uh, chapter four. I want us to, to 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 talk about suffering. Exciting topic. But just in my twenty-five years. Um, of, of ministry, I've never experienced a year uh, where we've seen so many um, unexpected deaths, uh, where we've seen so many um, diagnoses uh, of cancer and other um, life-altering diagnoses that um, people are going through, loss of parents and and some other really hard things that, that this body has, has gone through. And, and, and what do we make of this? You know, if you've, I want to, before I really get into this, you know, in our resource uh, room, there are three really good resources when it comes to this whole issue of suffering. God's grace in your suffering. Um, by David Polson and, and suffering by, by Paul Tripp, who understands the journey of suffering because he lives it. And then this, uh, The Moon is Always Round, it, it, it's, a, it's a, a book for children. And how do, we, how do we explain in the best way you can God in the midst of suffering and that God is always good in spite of the things that we're going through? In Job chapter 5, verse 7, it says, People are born for trouble as readily as sparks fly in the fire. And as I've been thinking about this, you know, we, we live in a fallen world. Therefore, nothing works the way that, that it's really supposed to. And Romans uh, say, even says that, that creation groans as in pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Even nature groans because of the evil that exists in the world. You know, sin has stained every part of our physical universe. Sin has affected and infected the human heart and and, and, and so we see evil that causes people to suffer. You know, because of the brokenness of this world, 
Our bodies break down, they wear out, they grow old, they die. People kill each other. Marriages break up, children go astray. Babies are born with disabilities. Our friends disappoint us, our jobs go away. And so we, because of this fallen world, we suffer. And Jesus warned us in John chapter 16 that that this would be the case. And Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33, In this world you will have trouble. In this world you will experience heartache. You will experience suffering. And yet Jesus said, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That last song that we sang. Ultimately, Jesus wins the victory. But between here and there, this life that we live can be painful. We will have trouble. And these, these, these thoughts took me to James chapter 1. And in James chapter 1, I'd like for you to turn there real Real briefly, we'll look at just that for a little bit. But in James chapter 1, James addresses this whole thing of of suffering. But listen to what James says. What James says kind of troubles me, actually. Because James chapter 1, verse 2, James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't like that. Count it all joy? James, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? Do you have any idea what I've just gone through or what I'm going through? Is a question that many of us ask ourselves when we read that. And I'll be the first to, I'm not an expert on suffering. And I praise God that, 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 that I haven't suffered. I'm not, I don't get up every morning and pray, Lord, allow me to suffer today. But some of you know. Some of you know what suffering is. You've experienced it. You've lived it, and you've survived it. But when James says, consider it pure joy, I mean, what does he really mean? What does that word joy really mean in the Greek, right? So we look it up, and it means exactly what James said. It means joy. It means joy. New Living says, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity of great joy. The CEV says, my friends, be glad even if you have a lot of trouble. Consider yourself fortunate. Now, when I suffer, I'll be honest, I don't consider myself fortunate. And some of you sitting here this morning, as you've gone through suffering or are going through suffering, 
words like joy and gladness and being fortunate aren't words that we use. The Phillips says, when all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, don't resent them as intruders, but, but welcome them as friends. But in order to understand what James is saying, we have to understand that, that this joy that, that he's talking about this counting it joy is something different. You know, it's not a natural response that he's talking about. If you want to talk about natural response, we can talk about things like, like anger and, and despair and, and, and running away from getting rid of that problem. And some of you right now, you feel that anger, helplessness, because of your suffering. And this, is, this isn't, it's not natural to find joy in the midst of our suffering. That's the point that James is trying to make here, I, I think, is that, that this joy that he's talking about is, a, is, is supernatural, a, re, a reaction that is only possible when we are filled as believers with the Holy Spirit. And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit and when suffering comes, when trials come our way, it enables us to see and to respond from God's point of view. So, so counting it joy is a conscious choice that I make every time I experience suffering. And unfortunately, that's probably going to happen again, and again, and again. If you live long enough, you're going to experience these things at some level. You're going to experience suffering at some level. What we have to begin to understand, what I have to understand, is what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. In the New Living, it says that now we see things imperfectly as a cloudy mirror. But then, in other words, once we get on the other side of heaven, once we meet Jesus... We will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now, in my, in my earthly body, in my flesh, is incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. We don't understand why... 
why Harvey Geyser died of a heart attack a couple weeks ago. A guy that was having impact on kids. And we don't understand any of these, these deaths that, that, that we've experienced in the last year or, or that you have experienced. We don't understand why, why, why Darla has cancer. and We don't understand because we don't see the picture clearly. It doesn't make the pain any less. Paul, in 2 Timothy, and Paul understood suffering. And actually here in 2 Timothy, he's talking about suffering. He says in in verse 6 of of 2 Timothy 4, he says, I am being poured out like a drink offering, and and my time of departure has come. Paul was being persecuted. He was about to die for his faith in Christ. But then he says, as he looks back on his life, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. All of us have a fight to fight here on this earth. All of us have a race that is is marked out for us. Paul says, when that fight is over, when that race is done, and he says, and I have kept the faith, he says, now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And what is Paul saying? Look, fight the good fight, run the race, endure hardship and suffering with joy because there is a crown of righteousness waiting for you on the other side. Suffering requires eternal perspective. But eternal perspective is hard here and now. But this Thing of joy that, that, that James writes about and I think that Paul is, is referring to is a deep satisfaction that comes from knowing that God is in control. Joy comes from, from a healthy eternal perspective. And, and, and this joy that James is talking about comes from this deep understanding of the sovereignty and goodness and love of God. Understanding the sovereignty of God, and it's in talking a little bit to, to Ken Stolswitz this morning, who understands suffering. Understanding the sovereignty of God doesn't always remove the pain of the experience that we're living in. but it can help to satisfy me at a very deep level. Even in the midst of my mourning and suffering, I can have joy. So James says, count it pure joy. 
my brothers, when you face trials. Why? Verse 2, he says, because you know that this testing of your faith develops perseverance. In other words, we're going through this suffering. God has a purpose for it. And he says this perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, so as much as I dislike uh, suffering and, and the way that James says that we're to count of joy, I also have to understand that, that this suffering has a purpose and, and it's, it's, it's in order to, to test my faith and it develops me and it makes me mature and complete so that I lack nothing. Perseverance requires desperate dependence on God. A resolve to hold fast to our faith. Despite the diagnosis. Yeah, I talked to Ralph Camacho this week who... who five or six years ago, was diagnosed, had, had, a, had cancer on his lung. Is that right, Ralph? And I said, how did, you, how did you survive through that? How did you keep a positive attitude? And I think if I could summarize it is, is my faith and trust in Jesus is the only thing that kept me going. And, and by God's grace, Ralph was healed. And talking to Letha Reichel, who, who, she's got the brain tumor, and I said, Letha, how do you keep a positive attitude? Well, she said, Dwayne, it, it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit living in me that helps me to, to live through every day, and every morning I wake up with, with a song on my heart. See, there's this way in which suffering produces spiritual maturity. That's what James is talking about. When, when, when the trials have finished their work in us, we won't lack anything that the Lord wants us to have. And having this this attitude of joy and and perseverance, it really requires a right view of God. And how I view God in the midst of suffering. Many of us know the story of Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth Elliot was married to to Jim Elliot, who who him along with four other men went to Ecuador to, to take the gospel to the Aka Indians. And while he was there, him and four of his friends were, were, were killed on a beach by the men that they were wanting to minister. Now, because of his death and because of the work of the Holy Spirit, those men became believers. But one thing we don't know about, many of us don't know about Elizabeth Elliot is, is Elizabeth Elliot remarried. Years after uh, Jim Elliot's death, she remarried. And, and, and the man that she married 
not long after they were married, um, was diagnosed with cancer. And, and walked through this horrible time when, when, when his body just slowly um, and painfully faded away. And he died. Elizabeth Elliot has had incredible influence, I think, on the world because of her testimony. But it's, it's, it's through her hard experiences that, that she was able to minister to and to encourage people. Let me read something that she wrote. She says this, The experiences of my life are not so much that I could infer from them that God is good, gracious, and merciful necessarily. To have one husband murdered and another one disintegrated body, soul, and spirit through cancer is is not what you would call proof of the love of God. Fair enough. In fact, there are many times when it looks like just the opposite. But my belief in the love of God is not by inference or instinct. No, my love of God is by faith. And then she says, to apprehend God's, sovereign, God's sovereignty working in that love is, we must say, the last and highest victory of faith that overcomes the world. Let me read that last thing again. To apprehend God's sovereignty works in that love is, we must say it, the last and highest victory of faith that overcomes the world. She said, it is not by experience that, that we love God, but it is by faith in Him and Him alone, in spite of our trials. I love God not because of the things I've experienced. I love God because He is worthy. So when trials come, and they will, if you're not in one right now, you will experience one. There are some things that we will never understand. There are some things we can know. But we can't always know why things happen the way that they do. There will always be mysteries in our lives. And the greater the tragedy, the greater the mystery. And so as we think back over this last year, year and a half, you know, I, I can't explain to you why Rodney Geyser did what he did. 
on a Sunday morning. I can't explain to you why, why Brian's plane went down. I can't explain why, why, why Kelly Slayball got brain cancer or, or why Larry Mass died of a heart attack suddenly. I can't explain those things. And they would probably always be a mystery. can't explain why a child is born with disabilities. I can't explain why you were taken advantage of or abused. I can't explain that. I wish I could. But there are some of those things that we can just never, ever explain. Because God doesn't explain himself to us. And when hard times come, when suffering happens, we know that God is at work in our trials. For his glory. Paul says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. All things, all things. And sometimes we won't understand the all things. We just have to understand that in the midst of those all things, God is good and God works for the good of those who love him. And it's true whether we believe it or not. God is good whether I believe it or not. God is good no matter what experience I am going through or will go through. And there are times when we will question God's goodness. And when I watched my dad wither away from this terrible disease called Parkinson's, there were times that I wondered, God, are you good? And yet he is. He is good. Job 23.10 says, but he knows the way I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. He knows everything about me. He knows what I'm going through. He knows what you're going through. Nothing is hidden from me. He knows the way that I take. He knows my struggles. He knows about your cancer. 
He knows about the grief that you're experiencing. Nothing is hidden from him. And yet, those things we go through are to refine us and to make us, as, the, as that text says, as pure as gold, as pure gold, perfect gold. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Yeah, that's the reality. We're wasting away. But then Paul says this about our troubles, about our suffering. He says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. My troubles are nothing compared to what I will experience when I meet Jesus face to face. Then he says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul's saying, look, don't focus on today. Don't focus on your troubles today. Fix your eyes on Jesus, on the future, on eternity. Because all oh, what is on the other side is far greater than anything that you can ever, ever. Far greater than your troubles. So how do we how do we walk through this together? How do we walk with others? How can we truly be a gospel-centered community that lives together in Christ? In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, if one part of the body suffers, every part suffers with it. Do we suffer well together? Do we care for each other well? I think sometimes we do really well. You know, I've watched uh, uh, Bill and Darla's ABF and others of you care really well for them. One day here a while back and, and you had built a ramp for them and you've supported them and made meals for them and you're suffering with them in the midst of this hard thing. 
Because I believe that one of the most beautiful things that can come out of suffering is when the body of Christ is the body of Christ and we care for each other. There's some things that keep us from doing that. You know, there are two extremes that we struggle with and, and one of those is uh, when we're going through hard times, we don't allow people into that with us because of pride, because of, of, of privacy, because of all kinds of things, but, but we don't allow people into our suffering. Or we have this consumer mentality where, where everything is about us, and we don't have time to care for people who are suffering. Because, after all, it's about me and, and about my needs and, and my stuff, and, and, and I have this and I have that that I need. Galatians says we're to carry each other's burdens. That means in Galatians 6, 2, we're to carry each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each one of us should, should not look only at our own interests, but at the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. When we see the body suffering, when we see people around us suffering, we're to have the mind of Christ and meet those needs. And when we give of ourselves... And when we carry other people's burdens, and when we allow other people to carry our burdens, because it's a two-way street, something really beautiful happens. We preach the gospel when we carry each other's burdens. Remember, Jesus told us in John 13, 35. He says, this new command I give you, love one another. Burden carrying is loving one another. He says, the world will know that you are my disciples by the way you love each other, by the way you carry each other's burdens. And so something really beautiful happens when the body of Christ rallies around each other and carries each other's burdens. The world takes note. Just those people, they, they care for each other. There's something beautiful happening there. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. And we do that 
one of the ways we do that is by caring for each other in the midst of, of tragedy. You see, we're not meant to walk this journey by ourselves. We are creatures that God built for relationships. So we need to walk them together. We need to walk them out, you know, in our ABFs and 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 in in our small groups and and in our youth group and in our junior high. We need we need to walk together. You know, last Sunday in our in our ABF, something really beautiful happened. We have uh, someone in our ABF who who is who um, has prostate cancer. And so we did this simple thing of just gathering around him and and laying hands on him and praying for him. And it was a powerful, powerful moment of us just caring for him in the midst of his needs. So just as I close, I know I've, I've gone a bunch of different directions, but I just wanted to share my heart with you as a body as we look at, think about suffering. And we could spend weeks talking about this topic. But if you're going through suffering, keep your eyes focused on Jesus. And allow other people along for the journey. Invite people into praying for you. Allow them to care for you. If you're in a good season of your life, ask God to show you. People who are struggling, people who are suffering. When you see a need, meet a need. When somebody in your ABF is struggling and, 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 and like Bill and Darla are right now, surround them, care for them. Make meals for them. Let's be the body. Let's be a body that cares for each other in the midst of these hard things. And we can really make something beautiful through Christ out of these painful things. But don't walk it alone. I guess my, my, my final challenge is, is look, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're in a hard season, don't do it by yourself. Allow people to walk with you. And maybe this morning in your ABFs you can do that. Um, I know their teaching should happen there, but, but sometimes we just need to stop and just care. Let, let, let's be a body that cares for each other. And I can explain why this suffering happened, why there's been so much of it, but I know that God is up to something. He is up to something. Let's join him on that journey. Let me pray. Father, I just, first I want to pray for for those people right now that are experiencing loss, are in the midst of grieving. 
pray, Father, that you would meet them where they're at. You would fill them with your love and mercy. They would feel your grace flowing over them. And I pray that you surround them with people that are um, walking with them and caring for them and loving them and encouraging them. Lord, for that person that is, uh, for, for the, that, that cancer diagnosis and health issues, give them strength and energy. We pray for healing. Um, but we pray for you to be glorified in the midst of all of these things. And as a body, I pray that we would care for and surround each other and love each other and walk with each other in the midst of these hard things and, and that you would be glorified in that, in the way that we love and care for each other. It's in Christ's precious name that we pray.